This episode is sponsored by Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer by John H. Mudgett. Who loves a good crime story? We do! And we bet you do too, which is why you should do yourself a favor and go read Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer by John H. Mudgett. Winner of the silver medal in the horror category in the 2021 E-Lit Book Awards. Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer follows a serial killer through the decades as he's forced to change and evolve right along with the evolution of investigation and forensic techniques. You'll get your dose of suspense along with a good story about a serial killer's 75 years of gruesome activity. So check out Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer by John H. Mudgett. Ebook available on Amazon and paperback on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Links are in the show notes. old-timey crimey i am christy and i am amber and we would like to wish all of you a happy spooky week (laughs) it is that time again when we bring the spooky to the old-timey crimey and for all of october we will be telling you various spooky tales some involving crime some not some that should be crimes (laughs) We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting, and uh, as uh, you can probably tell, it's going to be spooky. Yay. And if you want some more old-timey, crimey content, let's say you've binged the whole back catalog, and you want more, over 90 bonus episodes, and those are just the old-timey, crimeys over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. And we also do our extra extras. We had one come out this week. We did it with our friend delightfully named Beast. We told tales of crimes in which the motive was God made me do it. So you can come over there, and for just five bucks a month, you get access to all of that, plus the new episodes we come out with every week, and that extra extra comes out at the end of every month. So, without further ado, Amber, do you want to talk about some haunted dolls? I do indeed. Yay! All right, we're going to go back and forth, back and forth, and I'm going to start, correct? Yes. Yes, We did settle this, but uh, yeah. Then a a cat wandered through, and uh, it's just like shiny things, (laughs) but with fur. Furry things. My first tale of a haunted doll is Okiku. Ooh. Yes. We begin in 1918 in a shop on Hokkaido, which is a Japanese island, and a doll is waiting for her owner in a store. She knows she's going to get an owner sometime, just has to be patient. She's dressed in a pink and white kimono and has black hair that just brushes her shoulders and black eyes. 
She's not a big doll, about 16 inches, your standard porcelain doll size. Porcelain dolls are creepy in their own right, though. So somebody gifted my daughter one, and I don't like to look at it, and she doesn't either. She actually asked me to store it in her closet so she doesn't have to look at it. I really loved porcelain dolls growing up. She says they watch her, and it bothers her, so I have to keep them in the closet. Huh. Yeah, I, porcelain dolls were, I didn't have too many of them because we didn't really have the money, but I had one or two that I can specifically remember, and I liked my porcelain dolls. I, I never felt creeped out by them. I never had one, and the first time that, that my daughter took the porcelain doll out in public, she told a perfect stranger that her, uh, her mother was dead and the spirit of her dead mother was inside the doll. That is incredibly creepy. Kids get real weird. They do. My goodness. And I'm standing right behind her like, I'm her mother. I swear to you, I am not dead. <laughs> right here, alive, gave birth to this, this creepy, creepy child. She is really creepy sometimes. <laughs> so into this store wanders a young man, Ikichi Suzuki. He is 17, and he is on a trip. He has a two-year-old sister back home. What a sweet brother. Yes, he sees this doll and he knows that this is the present he's going to take home to his baby sister, Okiku. And so he does. And Okiku loved it. She decided she wanted to share everything with her new doll baby, including her name. She named the doll Okiku. Which is really sweet. Kind of a weird though. Like my kids have never named a doll after themselves. It might be an identifying with it thing. Or it could even be just not really knowing other names that you could apply to it as a two-year-old or even potentially. I mean, that very well could be because they name it after stuff they see on TV and TV wasn't a thing. Yeah. And so it's, here's a name I know. Exactly. Yes. Or it could be seeing this doll and wanting to be the doll. And by giving the doll your name, you in essence become one with the doll in a, in a small child's mind, obviously. Yeah. As a, you know, 30-something, I don't necessarily believe that. I'm not going to get a doll and give it my name and then become it. Not not happening. I, I, it could be like a Dorian Gray thing, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's that. You get a voodoo doll in the mail and be like, stay young forever. Your name is now Christy. <laughs> and somebody's going to send me that now. Now, the sad thing is that Okiku and her doll Okiku did not have much time together. Okiku, the human died about a year after getting the doll from either a cold or it could have been, because of the timing, the influenza pandemic that was oh, going on. Oh, yeah. Her family then used the doll as Don't a memorial. What the fuck just happened? What was that? Something just talked over there. Was it the clock? The clock is a Google clock. Are you okay? <laughs> I, I think it was the Google clock. I think it was oh just God. the Google clock. I've You're never heard it do that before. That fucking creepy. Okay, so we figured out that it was, in fact, my Google machine making that noise and scaring the ever-loving bejesus out of me as I talked about haunted dolls. Yeah, it, it's really a, it's a, a bizarre thing to have a disembodied voice when you're talking about haunted things. Yes, it's not pleasant, as you could hear from my reaction. I did not like it. I'm starting to think about unplugging that thing whenever we record, just so that that can never happen again. All right, continuing the story of Okiku. I keep watching to make sure I'm not triggering the Google machine. 
Okiku's family uses the doll as a memorial to her. They put it up on the family altar in her honor, which is just so sweet. It is so sweet. Like, I'm a little surprised they didn't just bury it with her. But, I, I mean, I get it. It's still sweet. I do believe that they wanted to, but there were pretty heavy restrictions on what you could bury. Some accounts say that you, they, they were not allowed to bury the doll. Oh, okay. With, with Okiku. It's a weird thing to put a rule against, but sure. Yeah. So, some things take time. And, therefore, they might be going on for a while before you notice them. Gradual changes take a while to catch on to. Like hair growth. It was a while after their daughter's death that the Suzuki family noticed that her little doll's hair was growing. It was even getting split ends. Wow. Yes. They started keeping watch over the doll, and the hair kept growing. It went from the doll's shoulders, where it had started, all the way down to her knees. Wow. They would cut the hair, and it would grow back. Impressive. Yes. This went on for 20 years that they had the doll on the altar. And they kept the doll there because they felt that there was a possibility that their daughter's spirit might be intertwined with the doll. She identified so much with the doll that it seemed like maybe she hung around and was still hanging out with the doll. Yeah. There were some creepy things that happened along the way. If one of them had a dream about their daughter, the doll would be next to them when they woke up. Oh, like the doll was getting up and moving around. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Also, some of your classic poltergeist possession type stuff, strange noises and bangings, lights turning off and on, although generally there was timing involved. That stuff tended to ramp up as Okiku's birthday and her death date approached every year. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, after 20 years, they were moving to another town, And they decided to take the doll to a temple. They didn't think she would be happy moving to another town, so they felt that that was their best bet. They told the priest there all about the situation and asked that he look after the doll. Soon enough, he had his own proof when he needed to give the doll a haircut. This has continued since then. The hair has been growing and needing periodic trims, which has now become a temple ritual since 1919. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it's still there. Still there and still growing today. Wow. There's a couple theories. One is that the hair, which has been examined and found to be human, although that's not unusual for a doll, has a clockwork mechanism in her head, and then that winds the hair out over time and then can sort of rewind the hair for a quote-unquote trim. But there's also a creepy story that you can look into her mouth and see her teeth growing. It's, a, it's a, just a creepy story. <laughs> so you can still today, well, I don't know about pandemic restrictions, but you, you can go see Okiku at the temple, but you're not allowed to photograph her. Maybe she just doesn't like it, but maybe it also raises questions. Both. Both, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The doll doesn't like flash photography. Please no flash photography. It upsets the doll. All right. So that is Okiku. Interesting. I'm going to tell you about Peggy. Peggy. Now, uh, 
I don't I don't really know Peggy's backstory that much, but I, I know that apparently looking at photos or videos of this three-foot doll triggers threatening circumstances. Ooh. Victims have reported chest pains, nausea, migraines, and one woman who wishes to remain anonymous suffered an alleged heart attack after watching a video of Peggy. Oh my gosh. They also said that they've uh, had experiences, and several people have have shared this experience, of flashing visions of mental institutions, abusive treatment, and debilitating anxiety. Ooh. So, British paranormal investigator Jane Harris has come into possession of this doll, and she has reported over 80 cases of people having chest pains, nausea, debilitating headaches, etc. That's a big pool of data to work with. Yeah, yeah. So Harris runs an organization called Haunted Dolls, and she was sent Peggy by her previous owner who claimed the doll was haunting her dreams. So Harris came into possession of this doll in 2014. And Harris says that the previous owner said that she'd wake feeling hot and shaken no matter where she moved the doll in her home, the nightmares persisted, and she apparently sought the help of a priest, but there was no change. And so this woman is suffering from fever and hallucinations, finds Harris's website on Google, because, again, she runs an organization called Haunted Dolls. Yeah, yeah. Probably easy enough to, to find, and was like, okay, you take this. <laughs> it's yours now. Have fun. Bye. Yeah, like, basically, I, I need this doll out of here, and you seem to be cool with this, so you go ahead. So within four days of bringing Peggy into her house, Harris started to feel sick. She says it was a bit of a mystery illness. I just felt completely drained and completely fatigued. It got to the point after about two weeks where I actually couldn't get out of bed. It felt like if you imagine your body as a battery just zapped completely. I had nothing left. Wow. Oof. So somebody was like, are you sure that it's not this doll? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, it crossed my mind, but I was kind of dubious. But three days later, she moved the doll and felt better. Oh. So she's like, I, I can't deny that, that that's weird. So I, I did some work with the doll, but nothing was really happening until I put a photograph of the doll on my Facebook page. And that's when things got weird. Because of her social media group, some people have deduced, like members of her team, It says, highly specialized members of the Haunted Dolls social media group. So I don't know if these are just internet detectives or what, but they said that Peggy is possessed by the spirit of a woman born in 1946 London who died of a chest condition, possibly asthma. She also hated clowns. Presumably because clowns are the only thing creepier than a doll inhabited by a dead woman. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Four different psychic mediums studied Peggy and all said that she is restless, frustrated, previously persecuted, maybe with ties to the Holocaust. Oh. Well, but 
So that differs from the explanation that it was a woman born in 1946. But okay. wait, right. so this is their Holocaust theory. Because I was curious about that too. I was like, that's not the same timeline. Apparently, the doll has an aversion to a crucifix necklace that she at one point was made to wear. So that, that suggests that she is not Christian. Or. Or is possessed. Or is a vampire. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So that's why they think that she has links to the Holocaust or possibly being Jewish because they put a crucifix on her and she did not like it. <laughs> um, so they conducted some sort of automatic writing session with her in which the word star and the name David came up. And that's why they were thinking star of David, Jewish religion. Interesting. I mean, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. But perhaps she was a Jewish woman living in London in 1946. That is possible. So droves of people have come forward with accounts ranging from their computer freezing when they looked at Peggy's picture online. Oh, that actually just gave me chills for some reason out of all the things. It wasn't as heavy chill, but it was just a slight, there's some goosebumps going on here. With the computer freezing? Yeah. The only thing that can make it weirder is if ours froze right now. Oh my gosh, please don't curse us that, that way. Yeah, Please do not. I'll knock on some wood here. This, this um, episode is already cursed. <laughs> from that to the room going cold, light bulbs blowing out when the doll was mentioned. Oh, just looking around at all my light bulbs. <laughs> okay. But but Harris actually says when, when people contact her about these incidents, she takes Peggy into an isolation area and kindly asks her to stop tormenting strangers. And that usually does the trick. Well, they do say that with ghosts, if you tell them to please stop doing something, they say that it works. I don't know, but they do say. Well, apparently Peggy the doll is perfectly reasonable and will usually stop after she's, she's asked. Yeah, and then there's just like little accounts here. One lady said that when she opened a photograph of Peggy, her computer froze on the picture and the room went cold. She said that she felt like someone is in the room with her and she could hear them moving around. Ooh. This lady was messaging me at the time via Facebook, asking me to quickly advise her on what to do. I took Peggy down to an isolation area and requested that she cease her tormenting. Apparently, everything returned to normal. Wow. Okay. With Peggy, it's not only while people are looking at her or watching her, it seems to be after they do as well. Because she can affect their dreams. Oof. She recently visited a woman in her dream, warning her about one of her cats. The next morning, the lady found her cat very ill, and sadly, the kitty died that day. Oh, chills again. Also, because I have a cat who's been ill, and <laughs> that one hits home. Oh, poor kitty. So, Harris has apparently had a lot of offers from other psychics offering to take Peggy away, but Harris wants to hang on to her for research purposes. I guess, which is, is strange, but if that's what floats your boat, I guess, they have sessions, uh, they make lots of notes, the pendulum goes crazy when they're doing this, and she said one night they were doing a session, and the next morning she couldn't find her notepad anywhere, and when she did find it, it was put in a place that she could not reach it. Ooh. She had to get her husband to get a ladder 
and climb up to the beams in her basement ceiling to get the notebook down. What the hell? Yes, chills. I have chills. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) So she felt that Peggy did not want her telling people the information that she had gained from that session. Wow. Which is why she hid the notebook from her. Whoa. And now I really want to know the information gained from that session. I I don't know that that information was actually published. Because Peggy would throw a shit fit and probably hide this woman's medication or something. Who knows? Yeah, but I I guess, like, I mean, this is, Harris is kind of interesting to me because she, she said she often gets things in the mail with no letter, no explanation. Mm -hmm. So people will just send her, like, dolls and stuff in the mail. And she's got to try to figure out, like, where they came from and their backstory and what's going on. That is an interesting life. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really neat. She has an array of gadgets and different experiments, I guess she does. She eventually did catch the eye of U.S. paranormal investigator Zach Bagans. He had contacted her to ask if she'd fly over to Las Vegas with Peggy so he could put her on display at the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum. And she took him up on that, and that's where she is now. She's locked away. The decision was made to give her her own room, And she's in a cabinet in that room with cameras on her permanently. Hmm. Zach has to have people sign a waiver saying that they're entering at their own risk in case they experience chest pains, nausea, debilitating migraines, anything like that. Heart attack. (laughs) Yeah, and there is actually a video that you can watch online from the Haunted Museum. I don't know. I think at one point they had her with other dolls and she shoved the other doll off. And that's why she's by herself now but I did I did watch that video because it's like people are just standing around looking at her and all of a sudden a doll just goes flying off the shelf and it's like oh she doesn't like to share so that is my story of Peggy the perfectly reasonable doll that's yes, absolutely reasonable you know what I wouldn't want to share shelf space either so yeah I get her like she's special and she knows it yes and, I mean, if, if you get sick or Peggy comes to your dreams, please contact Zach Baggins and ask him to, uh, to ask her to be nice. Yes. So, next, I'm going to tell you about Annabelle. Such a pretty name. Everybody knows Annabelle. Yes. Annabelle is a Raggedy Ann doll, and this one goes out to my mom who had a Raggedy Ann doll in her bedroom. It was sitting on a rocking chair, if I remember correctly. It wasn't terrifying at all. And if you don't know Raggedy Ann dolls, I mean, I probably put it in the episode art. Yeah, That's... Raggedy Ann and Andy. It was it yeah. was a big thing in, like, the 70s and 80s. Yes, absolutely. It's a cloth doll with a round face, kind of red yarn hair, dressed in, like, a gingham dress usually. So... It's not a porcelain doll. It's it's almost completely made of cloth usually. And she's very, she's softer and cuddlier. It's a huggy doll. Yes. But the raggedy Ann, Annabelle, that I'm about to tell you about. Does not like hugs. No, no. Do not, do not hug this doll. As usual, in 1968, we have a doll waiting for a new owner to snap her up. She had been donated by her previous owners to a hobby store, perhaps after she scared the crap out of them. When along comes a woman who is looking for a cute gift for her daughter, who was a nursing student in her 20s. The daughter's name was Donna, and she had a roommate, Angie, another student nurse. Donna loved the doll, 
And she put the doll on her bed in the mornings before she and Angie left for work. She'd just make her bed and then set the doll up against the pillows. But after a little while, they noticed something. The doll was shifting while they were gone. They'd leave her sitting in the bed, standard doll pose, just, you know, arms and legs out, nothing special. Come home to the doll with arms and legs crossed. Like, how dare you leave me here? Yes, very much. So they decided to see what happened if they reversed it. They left the doll with its arms and legs crossed instead. They came home to the doll with arms and legs out straight. Okay, this doll has a sense of humor. Yeah, a little bit. The doll was learning, though. She, she has more potential than just crossing and uncrossing her legs and arms. And so it was that they would leave the doll in bed when leaving for work and find her sitting on the couch when they came home. That would creep me out. It is. That is very creepy. Yes. I personally got freaked out when I found one of our cat's toys that is... It was a previous cat that he loved this particular toy. Cat owners, you all know, the little platform. Is it the star toy? The star toy, yes. Yes. It's it's the little carpeted kind of platform. It has a spring on it and then a soft felt stuffed toy at the top. And our cat Shakespeare had one that he loved. He would carry that around the house by the the star. He would drag it down the stairs. It'd just be thump, 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 thump. (laughs) He tried to drag it through the cat door to the basement one time. Did not work out for him. We would leave, and it would be at the top of the stairs. We'd come home and find it in front of the door. If we didn't have a cat, we would definitely think we were haunted, (laughs) but we had a cat. One day, I found it on the love seat. I called up Jackson at work. I asked him, did you leave the star toy on the love seat for some reason? He said, no. Why would I do that? Shakespeare had somehow jumped up onto the love seat and dragged that star toy up there. That's (laughs) impressive. So I have... have some familiarity with finding toys in strange places, although it was a cat doing it. They had no cats here. My my mom's cat has a, uh, a stuffed girlfriend, and it is a stuffed polar bear. Aww. And it was once a, a child's toy, I'm sure, and the cat's just decided it's his now. And it's almost as big as he is, but he manages to bring it up two flights of stairs yes. every day. And then, like... Just snuggle with it all day long. Aww. And every night, my mom throws it back downstairs. And every morning, the cat drags it back up. It's amazing. I love cats. They're so ridiculous. But what was also ridiculous was that not only had this doll gone from the bedroom to the living room, it had had to open the bedroom door and then crawl out down the hallway or whatever into the living room and then climb up onto the couch. So there's a lot of movement here. The bedroom door would be closed when they left, so it would have to open the door somehow. There's a lot there. Another time, they came home to find the doll kneeling. You can't make those dolls kneel. Exactly. They tried, and they couldn't. That's exactly it. They were like, let's see and let's try. See if we can actually make it kneel, but they have those cloth legs. There's no joint there. No, you couldn't make it do that. Yeah, they couldn't do it at all. They couldn't do it at all. But the doll somehow was kneeling. Then came the messages on parchment paper, which they didn't have any parchment paper in the apartment, it being the late 1960s, not 1710. They would find messages. Help us was on one. Help Lou was on another. Angie, the roommate, was engaged to Lou. So he would be over at the apartment frequently. Huh. 
I also want to know where Annabelle was keeping this parchment paper. Yeah, I know. Like, did they check her pockets? <laughs> yes, they, they would have little pockets, the Raggedy Ann dolls on their little little dresses. I guess maybe it wasn't gingham. Is gingham a fabric or a pattern? I always thought it was a pattern. I but thought I'm it was also... a checked kind of pattern with some of the checks are faded and some are not. Yeah. So, But yeah, my, I think my mom's had like a flowery kind of dress. I, I don't know. I'm... That's that's in the weeds. So <laughs> that's way in the weeds. Lou was not a fan of the doll. He had told the girls that they should trash it, and eventually started having nightmares about the doll. If anybody had this kind of issue with a doll moving around, your immediate thought is some sort of intruder is messing with me. Oh yeah, I would think that there was somebody in the attic. Yes, exactly. I mean, they were in an apartment. It didn't have an attic. But you would think maybe somebody was coming into your house, your apartment during the day, moving the doll and then leaving to mess with you or even hiding in the closet. Who knows? And so they tried to leave little traps that would show them if anyone entered the place while they were away, like little tape on the door, stuff like that. You know, you put a little scotch tape over the door. And if somebody probably won't see that when they open the door, it'll break the scotch tape or you'll at least be able to see that it's been moved. Nothing. No sign of any intruder. Then, just to up the creepiness factor, the damn doll started bleeding. That's perfectly normal and expected. Absolutely. Just some drops of blood on its hand and on its chest. Now, when your kid is bleeding, you call the doctor. When your doll is bleeding, you call the medium. So the medium comes in and says, you know what? The doll is not haunted. Your apartment is. And she had a very specific story to tell them. She, the medium found out via the spirit that a little girl named Annabelle Higgins had died, not even in the building. The building was not constructed yet. She had died on the property at age seven. And she was using the doll to communicate with them. So she was inhabiting the doll to try to talk to them. Less inhabiting and more kind of poltergeist, ghosty kind of moving an object. Okay. Yeah. So where'd the blood come from? That's an excellent question that I, too, am curious about. We don't, we don't know, obviously. <laughs> but So the idea was the doll was not haunted yet, but Annabelle told the medium that she wanted to inhabit the doll. She liked... Angie and Donna, and she was lonely. So she wanted to possess the doll. She asked the medium to ask them if she could possess the doll and be their friend. They agreed, and quick as you like, they had a new roommate. Annabelle, the Raggedy Ann doll. But this new roommate had a pretty dark side, and it came out quickly. She attacked Lou. Her natural enemy, as he was kind of the one saying, let's trash her, and was also close to the people she wanted to attach herself to. He was in Donna's room, alone with the doll, having gone there to investigate some noises he'd heard, and he got a pain in his chest and then scratches on his chest like somebody had raked a hand down his skin, like raked their nails down. But they magically healed within a few days. Just boom. No more scratches. Now, Angie and Donna, they're like, this is serious now. We need to make some calls. Two calls. They call a priest, and they also call a couple. That couple is Ed and Lorraine Warren, 
who are known for their paranormal investigations. We've talked about them. I think it was an extra extra where I think Scott did the Amityville horror. Yes. And they were involved in the investigation there. Well, I, I believe I've actually watched documentaries on them as well. Yeah, they're pretty famous as paranormal investigators. They, they did a lot of kind of groundbreaking work, it seemed, and had, had pretty far reach. So they investigate, and they say, all right, so here's the deal. That whole thing about it being a little girl who just wants to live in the doll and wants to be your friend, that's all bullshit. This isn't a little girl's spirit haunting or possessing the doll. It's a demon using the doll to mess with you. And this is not its endgame. Possessing a Raggedy Ann doll is not this, the, the final goal of this demon. It wants to possess Donna. The priest does some sort of exorcism of the apartment. I don't, I don't know how you exercise an apartment, but I'm sure pea soup is involved, maybe. Well, no, they probably walk around with that smelly incense and go like, ding, ding, ding. Put up the cross and yeah. say, I, I banish thee or something. I don't know. And the Warrens take Annabelle home. It's not an easy trip, mind you. <laughs> they have some car trouble along the way, believe it or not. Shocking. Yeah. Even they, with all their experience, have a hard time handling the doll. She graduated from moving around room, from room to room, to levitating. Mm. Although, sprinkling holy water on her would chill her out for a little while. But she'd always get back up to her old tricks. I feel like they it was like a cat, so they have a spray bottle nearby filled with holy water. <laughs> bad. I love it. Bad, Annabelle, bad. Get back in your room. Yes. They invited a priest over for a consultation, or the priest, I, th I believe the same priest who had been at the apartment. He's like, it's fine, she's just a doll. Then on the way home, he wrecked his car. He did not die, but he was injured quite badly. So the Warrens kind of gave up on ever taming this demon. And they decided that they probably wouldn't be able to separate the demon from the doll. So they locked the doll up in a glass case. Which is where you can still find her today. It's at the Warrens Occult Museum with a sign that says, Warning, positively do not open. I think there should be another warning on there, though. Do not taunt. Because one dude, supposedly, when visiting the doll, banged on the glass and taunted Annabelle. Like, wanted to see her haunt some shit. <laughs> and then he died on a motorcycle wreck on the way home. Wow. Yeah. Annabelle was like, not now, but soon. I'll show you. <laughs> yes. I'll show you. Annabelle becomes a character in The Conjuring, which is a you know, series of horror movies that I have not seen and probably won't, especially after. Tonight. They're actually good. Oh, maybe I'll watch them. I don't know. I, we always watch a horror movie around Halloween. Maybe I'll pick that one. Skeptics make an interesting connection to other spooky doll stuff, specifically in a Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode. Twilight's a different thing. Yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah. Very different. Twilight and Twilight Zone. Haunted Dolls could have made that so much better. The episode The Living Doll, in which a mother gives her daughter a doll that ends up murdering the father. 
The episode was released five years before the Annabelle doll story was supposed to have happened. And in the episode, the mother's name was Annabelle. Interesting. They also think that a lot of these stories might come about thanks to Robert the doll, which is the story I'm going to tell after your next story. Ooh. Mm. Little teaser there. Hi. I'm Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I think Muriel's obsession is weird and disturbing. During the pandemic, when we were cooped up with nothing to do, I started forcing Nick to listen to me tell him about whatever true crime story I was consumed by at the moment. And I gotta admit, I found Muriel's insane storytelling very entertaining. Now, every week on our new podcast, Muriel's Murders, I handpick a real-life crime story that I think will blow Nick's mind. Muriel is really really enthusiastic about researching and telling me these stories, and they are a lot. Some stories are famous, some are relatively unknown, but all of them contain crime, violence, and murder from across history and around the globe. Muriel's Murders is a podcast about true crime, but really at its core, Muriel's Murders is about two people trapped in their apartment with nothing but time on their hands attempting to understand each other. It's an exploration of murder, human nature, and the importance of compromise in a marriage. So join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts, and check out our original Muriel's Murders animations on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok at Muriel's Murders. Hey, Nikki, are you ready for a story? No! Okay, let's get started. These damned dolls. Very damned. My God. Very damned. All right, so I am going to tell you about Harold the doll. Oh, boy. And just as a quick side note, I did really want to punk you and tell you a story about Harold the duck (laughs) for a minute. Um, that would have been fantastic punking because ducks. <laughs> well, well, that and like when I, I I googled Harold the D and it came up duck and I'm like that would be fantastic. That would I'm just been... gonna look up Harold the duck, a haunted Harold the duck. <laughs> it would have been amazing, but I actually did do Harold the doll. Harold the doll, and I'm not sure how true this record is, but he may have been the. First of many haunted dolls to be sold on eBay. Oh, okay. He was, in fact, sold on eBay. But I don't know that it's verified that he was the first, but he it's said that he was the first in 2003. So, the initial story behind this badly worn doll is that he belonged to the young son of a Florida man. You know it's going to be bad if it was a Florida man. Here we I'm go. I'm just saying. Yeah, I got a Florida man coming too. <laughs> so he belonged to the young son of a Florida man who had passed away in the 1940s. When Wait, the, the son or the man had passed away? The son passed away. So he belonged to the young son in Florida, and the son passed away in the 1940s. So when the son died, the man and his wife reported hearing crying and singing from the little boy's bedroom. Uh, I don't like it. So a priest told them to burn the doll. Okay. But it wouldn't burn. Okay. So he put it in the shed, allegedly, for about 60 years. What? (laughs) Holy shit. That's commitment. Well, because... So 
He gave it to his son. His son died. The doll wouldn't burn. And so he just put it in the shed. And and no more shit happened during those 60 years. Nothing else was said. Okay. So the original eBay seller put Haunted Harold up for sale after blaming the doll for his cat dying and losing his girlfriend to the pool man two days after buying it from this gentleman. First of all, we keep on having cats dying. That's disturbing to me. And second of all, how... Uh, okay, I've... so the old man sold the doll to this guy. Yes. And this guy said that, I've had this doll for two days, my cat died, and my girlfriend ran off with the pool boy. There's something wrong with this doll, take it away. All right, okay. I, I just think that maybe... The relationship wasn't so great, or maybe, you know, she wasn't a great person. There's a lot of other I, things we can blame yeah. for the girlfriend thing, is what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. And th- there was no mention on if, if the cat was sick or if it ran out in front of a truck. Basically, he had this, this doll for two days. If nothing else, it's very bad luck. Yeah, it seems like his life is not going great after having bought this doll. Yes. So he puts it up for sale on eBay. And he's hoping to get maybe 30 or 40 bucks for this doll. But at that point, he was like, $10 is cool, too. That's fine. But when the auction ended, the winning bid was actually around $700. Holy shit. But the bidder failed to pay. Oh, boy. So he actually freely admitted what he was doing was a hoax to a childhood friend of his older brother, who he had bidding in the auction. The, the childhood friend of his brother is named Kathy. Okay. Okay. So he told Kathy, this eBay seller, we'll name him Greg. Greg told Kathy, this is a hoax. We're going to put up all these stories about how haunted he is to get more money. Okay. All right. So they were trying to build some sensationalism around the doll. Yes. And then flip it for a profit. But... I guess Kathy won it. And after winning this auction, strange events started happening immediately, according to Kathy. If Kathy knew that it was a hoax, why'd she just give $700 to Greg? Well, I think she was trying to, like, up the bid. Oh, she was kind of in there as a secret agent. So she was a secret agent to up the bid, and then the original winner didn't pay, (sighs) and so then she won it. I get it. I get it. Okay. Oh, boy. Poor Kathy. <laughs> oh, that, that backfired magnificently, I'm sure. Well, yeah. And, I mean, she was probably told that this is just a doll. It's yeah. fine. I just want to get, like, 50 bucks for it. And it just kept building. Kathy didn't realize that any of this was, was the doll. But she did eventually put the doll in a closet. And instead of reselling it after a couple months, which was what she was supposed to do, she ended up keeping it for a year. So in 2004, Kathy put the doll back up on eBay, claiming that the doll wasn't haunted, but was cursed. Oh, well, you know, I mean, that's far better, apparently. Well, this time, it wasn't a claim she was making to sell the doll. She actually believed it was real. She's had this doll for a year. She actually believes that this doll is cursed. Okay, all right. And and she wrote about it. I am the person who bought the doll from Greg. I was living in Ireland at the time. 
The doll did not move on its own or smell of pampers or speak. It did, however, contribute to two deaths within a six-month period and some other creepy stuff while I had it because I wanted to restore it. This doll was cursed, and while I had it, two people I knew died within six months of each other under tragic circumstances, and crazy stuff used to happen in my Dublin home. When I wrapped it up and put it away, nothing happened. When it was in the house and not in the storage shed, creepy things would happen. We had a roommate who was a health nut, climbed mountains, dove, was a very athletic guy. Harold was stored in the closet in his room. Three months after moving in, Stephen was diagnosed with lung cancer and died a few weeks later. He had to move in with us because Ronnie, the woman who he was living with, asked to see the doll one day when she was at my house the weekend before she went to Amsterdam for a visit. She fell down a flight of stairs while she was there and died instantly. Also, one day I heard a crash coming from the bathroom. I went in there only to find that everything had fallen out of the linen closet and landed perfectly folded and stacked. I told you a story just like that before we recorded. It's going to be maybe on Haunted AF soon. (laughs) Oh my God, that is so creepy to me. Oh, I'm so creeped out. (laughs) In addition, I was on the phone with my fiancé when all of a sudden I hear someone scream in the background that there was a huge brown wolf spider crawling up his back. At the same time, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a huge brown hairy spider scurry across the living room rug and into the bathroom. Two hours later, Rick came home and showed me the area on the back of his shirt where someone had killed the spider. She was on the phone with her fiancé. Okay. And somebody started yelling that there was a spider on his back. Okay. At the same time, she saw a, a big brown spider, the same kind, run across her living room rug and into the bathroom. But the spider had actually been killed at the, that time? The spider had been killed on okay. his back. Wow, that's weird. Also, I hate wolf spiders. They're really big. I don't like them. So eventually, Harold was uh, purchased for $300 and then passed along from one owner to the next because he caused misfortune everywhere he went. Oh, my Lord. Noises were heard. Occasionally, it would seem that his expression had shifted to a smile. Ah, I don't like it. Uh, he was actually on an episode of Ghost Adventures. Zach Bagans, I believe that's that's his show. Mm-hmm, yeah. It says he hates dolls, but it's good television. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the Ghost Adventures episode, a friend of one of the owners of this doll developed a brain tumor shortly after visiting Harold. Anthony Quinata. Purchased the doll in 2004, and he said that there were souls imprisoned in and by the doll. In and by. In and by. He chronicled chronicled attacks by Harold on him and others in a book that he wrote about his time with the doll. And I do have uh, some of this because he did have a website. Okay. My name is Anthony Quinata. I am Harold the Haunted... I, I own Harold the Haunted Doll. It's not I am Harold I am. the Haunted Doll. Oh he my. might be now. We haven't heard from him in a while. Oh, no. boy. <laughs> I'm a psychic medium, speaker, and author of Communications from the Other Side, Death is Not the End of Life, Love, or Relationships. 
When I came across Kathy's auction, I was buying a number of supposedly haunted items on eBay for a book I was planning on writing called Haunted eBay, which is kind of fun. I, um, that's hilarious. So his plan was to take these items and run EMF tests, EVP experiments, have them read by a friend who is also a psychometrist. Psychometrist, maybe? Maybe. It's a psychic who reads the energy of objects by touching them. Okay. All right. Uh, and her name is April Palmer, and then she, he was going to write all about the results. So he went and looked at Greg's original listing. He looked at videos of the dolls. He read Kathy's story, and he literally laughed out loud. He's like, this is absurd. <laughs> so the listing had a reserve on it, so he placed what he considered to be a ridiculous bid just to find out what the reserve was. I, I don't I don't understand eBay, so I don't really know what that means. But he said it barely triggered the reserve. But shortly after, he received an email from Kathy saying, Why do you want this doll? Oh. And he wrote back explaining that he didn't want it. He was just curious as to what the reserve was. Kathy said that it reflected what she paid for the doll. And he wrote back saying, Well, good luck selling it. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. And she wrote another email saying, I don't think it's haunted, but I do think it's cursed. She told them that she had put the doll up once before, and that bidder didn't pay for it. And then she went on to explain some of the the mishaps that she had experienced while she owned the doll. And so they're emailing back and forth, and he receives another message from somebody named Strange Magic. Hmm. He had outbid him for the doll. Strange Magic had outbid him. Okay. Yeah, so Strange Magic outbid Anthony and messaged him saying, don't bother bidding anymore. I'll just outbid you. This doll is mine. Hmm. And he goes, I didn't even want the doll. (laughs) And it was fine with me that he had outbid me. But that statement got my testosterone going. Oh, here we go. It's about to be who's got the bigger dick. And he goes... Over a doll. Over a doll. Over a doll. I just want to make sure that's clear. And and Anthony says, I thought to myself, it will probably end up being yours, but it's going to cost (laughs) you. I kind of like Anthony. So he starts bidding up the doll, planning to dump the auction on Strange Magic. And the bidding war drove the price for the doll higher and higher. Meanwhile, he's still emailing Kathy back and forth, and he couldn't help but wonder if she was really telling the truth. So on the last day of the auction, only four minutes left, Magic places a bid of $700. So he bids $720 and waits for Magic to outbid him. And I waited and waited the auction ended and eBay informed me I was the winner. Oh, you lucky, lucky man. Winner, winner, haunted doll. So then Kathy immediately emails him and offered to let him out of paying. Oh, wow. And she said, I'm really worried about you having this doll. I should have just thrown it in the ocean. And he says, a deal is a deal. So a few weeks later... Mailman at the time, also named Greg. Ah, Greg's everywhere. Told me, I have a monster for you today. Hmm? 
That's what the mailman said. And since he had been receiving so many packages from all of his haunted auctions, oh God. he thought he was referring to a large haunted mirror that he had also bought. Oh. But the actual package was from Ireland, so he knew that it was Harold. So, he starts testing Harold right away. First test was on a tri-field EMF meter. Nothing. Tried taking pictures to see if anything showed up aside from the doll. Nothing. Did a recording to see if there was any noise. Nothing. The last test was to have his friend April come and read it because she could pick it up and feel the vibrations or whatever. He packed the doll up in the bag that it came in and deciding better safe than sorry after talking so much with Kathy, put it in holy water and a crucifix in the bag as well. He took the doll to April told her nothing about it, so she's going in with no knowledge of this doll. When he took it out of the bag, April asks, is that Harold? Oh, my. Holy shit. She she didn't know anything about this. Well, and he goes, you know about Harold? And she goes, oh, yeah, he's been all over the internet. Okay. Okay, so that, okay, you got the name from the internet. All right. And he was, he was disappointed because he wanted to have a clean reading, no knowledge. Yeah, I can understand that. And his first impulse was to put the doll back in the bag and just go find somebody else. But he decided to have her do the reading anyway. He's already there. He already has his holy water on hand. Why not? So he puts his recorder on. He takes out the crucifix and the holy water. He splashes it on Harold. And, and this is where it gets weird. April chuckled, took the doll in her hands, and began giving me her impressions. Not two minutes later, she said, I'm sorry, Anthony, but I just can't do this anymore. Why? I asked her. Because the doll just threatened to kill me. I have a heart murmur, and it feels as though the spirit in this doll is squeezing my heart. (gasps) Disappointed and not really believing what April was telling me, I took the doll from her and put it back in its bag. Later, when I listened to the recording, I was stunned at what I had heard. As I was sprinkling the doll with holy water, I heard agonizing screams. I then heard April chuckle and ask, you're sprinkling it with holy water? A male voice responded, shut up, bitch. (gasps) Then, as she was doing her reading, I heard, I'm going to kill you, you bitch. It was after that I heard April explaining that she felt as though the doll was trying to kill her. What followed was what I can only describe as an evil laugh. Maybe there really is something going on with this doll. So, a year later, he is now convinced that there is something dangerous happening with this doll. He saw people injured literally in front of his own eyes in the presence of Harold. He himself had terrifying visions and an injury that required surgery to correct. Hmm. In 2005, he put Harold in a storage unit. In May of 2013, his friend posted a picture of a doll she saw at a flea market on Facebook and tagged me saying it reminded her of Harold. People asked about the doll. One woman who expressed her skepticism wrote him saying that Harold had visited her that night and that the encounter was nothing short of terrifying. In September of that same year, the same friend 
had told him about a video on YouTube in which Harold was number five in a series of videos about haunted dolls, such as Annabelle. <laughs> so he, he went and he looked and, and saw the number of views on that video and the interest in the doll was still very strong. And he also felt that there was a lot of misinformation about the doll and its whereabouts. So he decided to announce that he was the person in possession of the doll. He took Harold out of storage and decided to pick up where he left off. He brought it to a psychic who said she knew nothing about the doll. It's happy it's not locked up anymore, she told me. She did a second reading telling me how the spirit became trapped inside the doll. More incidents of people being harmed occurred, not only to others, but to me personally. More people began telling me about how they were visited by the spirit in the doll. Harold is pissed, a friend of mine told me. He told me that he's angry that you've had him for so long and haven't helped him. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So he did write a book about him. There is a website. And... This is this is a really strange ending. So it's not a very strong ending, and I really wish I had more information for you. And maybe I need to buy the book to find out <laughs> what really happened. But the last blurb I could find, his last owner is Anthony Quinata, who is who this story came from, who claims to have exercised the doll and has sworn to never speak of Harold again. Whoa. Hmm. I don't know what happened, but apparently Anthony still owns Harold. Wow. But will not speak about him anymore. I don't know if that's accurate. Maybe we need to buy the book to find out. I don't know if maybe that's like a a publicity thing. Yeah. But um, I'm actually, I'm interested enough that I might just out of curiosity and I will happily give you an update if I do that. Absolutely. Or I'll, I'll see if it's on Scribbit. Because it is, it's a super fascinating story. And then at the end, you're like, well, what the hell happens? Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing that he just went mum. He went public and then he went mum. Just completely radio silence. And the question I have was, is it a publicity thing to sell the book? Oh, which you don't know until you get the book. Yeah. And then you've already spent the money and oh, like like buying a haunted doll, it's too late. Is it a trap? I don't know. Or maybe something so bad happened that he's like, I gave the doll an exorcism and we will never speak of him again. Maybe Harold said, do not talk about me ever again and we'll be cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. It, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but like. That's so weird. Very, very cursed doll. Very cursed. Oh, my gosh. So, my uh, next story is about Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll, pretty well known. And probably might be the most well known of haunted dolls. There was an episode of Lore that might have pushed that along a lot. So, again, we have a doll sitting in a toy store waiting for his new owner. And in 1904, a woman was shopping on a trip to Germany when she passed that toy store. She would be returning to America soon. And of course, her youngest son would be expecting a present, especially with his fourth birthday coming up. So in the display, she sees this doll. It's a little blonde boy, about three feet tall, weighs about six pounds. 
The hair is kind of like tufted, has black button eyes, holding, might have been holding a little stuffed lion, although that might have been added later. We're not sure. Was actually, many accounts state that it was dressed in a sailor suit, but originally, according to some accounts, was actually dressed in a little pink and green Harlequin clown costume. Oh, creepy. Yeah, I know. It's a doll and a clown. Oh, this, good. This is, this is not off to a good start, is it? No, I like the sailor outfit way better than the clown costume. Yes, very much. Now, this doll was handmade and one of a kind, made by the Stife Company. You've never heard of the Stife Company, but you've heard of one of their products. They were just about to make history when that mother bought that doll for her son. Richard Steiff, nephew of the company's founder, Marguerite Steiff, had created a doll based on his sketches of bears done at his frequent visits to the Nilscher Zoo in Germany. And in 1903, at the Leipzig Toy Fair, an American businessman fell in love with these little bear dolls and put in an order for 3000 This seemed to coincide, as far as I can tell, from various accounts, coincided with the creation of a little stuffed bear by a Brooklyn candy shop owner who was inspired by the recent story of Theodore Roosevelt refusing on a hunting trip to shoot a bear that had been clubbed and tied to a tree, thus earning him the nickname that he hated Teddy. So the candy shop owner made Teddy's bear. That seems to be this combination of things. One American businessman buying 3,000 stuffed bears. Another American businessman making a Teddy that is inspired by an iconic American. It seems to be the, the origin story of the teddy bear. There you go. Yeah. I had no idea about any of that until I started, oddly enough, I started on the, the Robert the Doll story and it came up that it was from the Stife Company and I was like, let's learn more about them. And Teddy Bear came up. I was like, holy shit. They, they yeah. started the Teddy Bears. The things that you learn. The Stife Company would go on to make nearly a million teddy bears in 1907. Aww. Yes. All these teddy bears going to little children. But... One child would not get a teddy bear, at least not at this moment. He would get a doll when his mother brought it home from Germany. Okay. Yeah, there are other stories that it was his grandfather that brought it home, but it does seem like there's actual records of his mother having been in Germany via, like, ship manifests and such just prior to his fourth birthday. So, seems like we're going with the mother. Now... This boy was Robert Eugene Otto, and his mother returned to her home in Florida and gave her son his birthday present, and he fell in love immediately. This would end up being, with a little break, a lifelong obsession. Now, there's another story that this doll was given to Gene, as he would come to be known, if he gave his name away by his nanny, who had been fired by Jean's mother, and his parents tended to abuse the servants. Most stories that go with this version then, of course, mention that the servant in question was either Bahamian or Haitian, 
and that the doll was stuffed with straw and had human hair on its head, which we've already talked about. It's actually common. And the servant knew voodoo and all that. Then they kind of leave it there, sort of so you draw your own... Draw your own conclusions. Somewhat racist and stereotypical conclusions, yes. And uh, the hair bit is incorrect as far as it being human. Robert has been examined, and the hair is likely mohair. And he is made of felt and stuffed with straw. But that really just lends credence to the idea that he came from the Stife Company, because mohair and felt were two of their most commonly used materials in doll and toy making. All right. So Jean Otto was the youngest of four, and the family lived in Key West, Florida. Robert, like Okiku, gave the doll his first name. He said, I want this doll to be called Robert. I feel like this is a bad omen. It kind of is. I mean, he's in Florida to start, and then, um, yeah, the doll with the same name as the child never seems to end well. It doesn't, does it? Yes. So he was very insistent, Gene was, that he wasn't to be called Robert anymore. The doll was Robert. He was Gene. The Harlequin costume didn't seem to last long. The doll ended up in a sailor suit of which Jean seemed to have an identical one so they could match. And there's a picture of Jean in his sailor suit with, like, a little girl. Uh, looks younger than him, so probably a friend, not a sibling, since he was the youngest. And so, yeah, it's you can see it's identical. It You, you can look at it. They have matching outfits. They have matching outfits, yes. There's a gray stripe on the sleeves and then a red mark somewhere else. I can't remember exactly where. And then you look at... Robert the Doll's photos, and he's wearing a sailor suit with a gray stripe on the sleeves, in addition to the the normal navy stripes that are also there. So it's a sort of variation of the outfit that either either Jean gave his outfit to Robert the Doll, or they had an, bought another one so that they could match. Who knows? Huh. But still a little creepy. Gene got super attached to Robert the doll. He invariably slept with the doll, but not just during sleeping hours, during meals too. Robert required his own place at the table, extra chair, extra place setting, extra food, everything. Robert went everywhere with Gene, even the bath. When Gene would be in the bath, Robert would be sitting there on a chair watching him. I was going to say, please don't tell me they're putting a felt doll in the tub. No, I don't think Robert would still be around if that were the case. And he is, let me tell you. So things started getting a little weird around the house after a little while. The, uh, The autos noticed. They would hear voices coming from Jean's room at night. And realized that there were multiple voices here, too. They could identify their own son's voice, of course, but they couldn't really identify the second one. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. They thought maybe Gene was playing pretend. Like, he has learned how to throw his voice into that of a grown man. Something, maybe, I don't know. People will talk themselves into anything to rationalize. But it seemed to get weirder and weirder as time went on. And they started to really wonder if something more was going on. So they would go to check on him, and he would just be alone in the bedroom with Robert. 
Although sometimes they'd hear arguments from these two different voices and they would come in to see Jean hiding in the corner with Robert glaring at him. Whoa. This dog could make facial expressions. They didn't seem to have a great relationship, Robert and Jean, despite the attachment. Sometimes Jean's parents would be awakened by Jean screaming. And again, they would run to the room. Only this time, they would find Robert pinning Jean down on the bed. Oh, my God. Get rid of that doll. (laughs) You will, then. Jean seemed to have reasons to keep Robert around. He would throw tantrums whenever he through these tantrums, he said, oh, that was all Robert. And when there was furniture overturned and silverware strewn about, he would say, I didn't do it. Robert did it. Some of the servants said they'd heard Robert giggling or seen him moving around the house. Yeah. You need a priest, y'all. You need um, fire. I think you need fire. Just burn the whole house down. There were also stories of the doll getting a little telekinetic and moving stuff around the room when other people were around. Now, in particular, Jean's great aunt was really freaked out by all of this. She eventually told Jean's parents, you need to take that creepy thing and put it in the damn attic. Jean threw a fit, but they did it anyhow. They put Robert the doll in a box. And the great aunt died of a stroke the very next day. Wow. So with Robert's nemesis gone, he returned to Jean's life. Wow. Yep. Yep. This doll is already killing people. Jean grew up. And he pretty much left Robert behind when he went to college. He ended up becoming an artist. He'd always had a lot of talent in that area. And after college, he went to France to study and learn technique. And it was there that he met Anne Parker. She was a musician from New England who was also studying in Paris. Jean (laughs) married Anne Parker in Paris in May 1930. And then they moved to New York City, where they actually worked together to write some music that she would then perform in her capacity as a musician. Now, his father had died when he was 17, so when he found out his mother was sick, he and Anne moved down to Key West. In 1945, his mother died, and he got the house. Although, he tells a different tale in a 1953 profile in the Key West Citizen. He said they just kind of spontaneously decided to move, and it was a choice between France or Key West, and they decided they loved Key West better. No, no, nobody said that. Nobody said that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Key West is nice. I'm sure it's lovely, but it's not Paris, like... I, I, I fucking love France, man. I know you do. <laughs> I have such a Jones to go to France. It's killing me. And then uh, also things that are killing me are this from that 1953 profile of them in the Key West Citizen. Here we go. Bringing in the sexism. Oh, goody. Poor Anne. Jeez. Okay. Anne Otto gave up her career in music. 
though she had found considerable success including pianoforte engagements at the Rainbow Room in Rockefeller Center, where she played her own arrangements. She found her true fulfillment in her husband's career in Key West, and has done a rather stunning job of finding her métier and being a gifted homemaker and superb cook. Are you kidding me? That's an exact quote, and I hate everything. Oh, poor, poor Anne. This woman could have been a famous musician, potentially. She made her own arrangements. She seemed to have a lot of talent and skill. And she meets an artist, falls in love with him, and then leads a life that eventually ends up being ruled by a fucking doll. So, uh, (laughs) spoilers. After Jean's mother's death, they inherited the family home in Key West. So they settled there, and eventually Jean found Robert again. And he went back to his old ways with Robert. Even as an adult, Robert would join them for dinner. He would be in every room that Jean was in, even the bedroom, sitting on a chair, watching them sleep. Uh, no. Big fat no. Big fat no. And then also big fat divorce. <laughs> yeah, because like honestly, so just uh, just picture this. So we're grown ass people. And if if Jackson would find an old childhood doll in his attic, be like, the doll must eat dinner with us. You'd be like, okay, we're going to make an appointment to talk to somebody. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I have a Pooh Bear doll, you know, Winnie the Pooh, call it my Pooh Bear, from when I was a, a baby. I think J.C. Penny or Bonton or something sent it to my family as a, you know, here, you had a baby, here's a, here's a stuffed animal toy, come buy some shit from us. And I carried that thing into college. I even have slept with it into adulthood sometimes. Less so since I got diagnosed with allergies because I was like, just how much dust and mold is in this thing? Probably a lot, yeah. Yeah, so, but it it fit in the crook of my arm perfectly. Like, my arm... You don't have to justify it. Everybody has their things from childhood that they hold on to. Yeah, I'm just saying my arm went perfectly between its arms, which would go over my arm, and its little stubby legs. And it was comfortable. But... I would only occasionally sleep with it in the bedroom. I wasn't making it have its own place setting at dinner or carrying it around from room to room. There is a line. Yeah. Sleepy time, okay. Dinner time, not so much. Just saying. Yeah, there's so much wrong with this. And Anne really was not about this life. I'm sure it inspired many fights between them. But finally they compromised and she said, okay. You're very insistent that the doll has to stay, which is weird, but it can stay if it has its own room. And that's it. The doll just stays in the room, and the rest of us can live our damned lives without that creepy doll sitting there staring at us and smirking. So Jean ran with that. Robert's not just going to sit in an empty room. No, 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 no. That room not only was furnished with children's furniture and toys, but Gene also started using it as his studio where he spent all his time painting. I believe he also built the children's furniture and toys because he had some time that he had spent getting a degree in architecture. Wow. Okay. Which I know architecture and carpentry aren't exactly the same things, but 
I mean, you get some skills with putting things together and designing things. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was spending a lot of time. Now, uh, local kids started telling stories of seeing Robert the doll peering from the windows. But then Robert the doll would move from window to window to window to watch them pass. Like the creepy little motherfucker that he is. That is pretty creepy. I hate Robert so much. Oh, dear. So, and people who came to the house said that the doll moved of its own accord and also threw things. Also, super creepily, seemed to be aware of things. If you were having a conversation in front of it, it seemed to follow the conversation. As in, like, looking from person to person while this exchange is happening, and expression changing as the conversation topic changes. Maybe you're talking about the weather and it has a benign smile, but then you start talking about the creepy doll that's staring at you and it scowls. Yeah. Mm. I hate this doll. Mm. And then the creepy giggling started up too. As well as the pitter-patter of little feet. But Robert and Anne never had children. Well, and I, I don't think I would have children with a man that spent all of his time with a doll. No, whatever fairness. whatever she did to prevent that, she was perfectly within her rights. Yeah. I say. I, I'm 100% behind Anne here. And yeah, all this is not great for a marriage and things went sour. Shocking. Yeah. Gene would sometimes be malicious towards Anne. In his words, they're... Aren't any reports of physical abuse, at least, but verbal, psychological, emotional, that kind. But whenever he was, somebody tried to call him to account for being a complete dick to his wife, he would say, I didn't do it. Robert did it. This is a grown man, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yes. Unless, like, well, unless he was maybe like, not schizophrenic, but like multiple personalities where he kind of had a split where he was addressing himself as both Robert and Jean. I can see that, but multiple personality is a lot more rare than media leads us to believe in general media over the past, you know, 40, 50, 60 years since it kind of became a thing. It's actually like pretty super rare. That's a great You're Wrong About episode about that. Uh, but, and I would think if that were the case, he would have not abandoned this whole personality while he went off to college and to Paris and then to New York for all these years. It was maybe uh, 15, 20 years, possibly more. But you know what? Nobody was ever taking him to task on it. So his parents would be like, why the hell are you acting like this? Robert. And now his wife is like, why the hell are you acting like this? Robert. So maybe in those 10 or 15 years, nobody ever took him to task. They're just like, yeah, that guy's an asshole. Just stay away from him. And nobody was ever like, why are you doing this? I would think at some point they would, though. Like, Why would they only take him to task for being an asshole when he's around the doll? Somebody at some point has to take him to task. His, him and his college roommate could have had a falling out, and he was just like, Robert maybe do it. The roommate's like, yeah, okay, buddy, how much did you have to drink? And we never heard about it. <laughs> You've been smoking a little bit of the muggles? But, I mean, think about all the weird things that strangers have said to you that you don't go and, like, report to the papers because it's just minute. Yeah, I get it. It just seemed that there was definitely, if there was, if, if it was mental illness or specifically, a, like, a multiple personality 
whatever they call it now, I think there's a different term for it now with the new, you know, DSM. But I think if there were multiple personalities involved here, it's strange that there seems to be such a long, quiet period in his life. Well, maybe it's like stress. Like it comes out when there's a lot of stress going on around him. But I mean, isn't college super stressful? I don't know. Moving to a new country and studying there, those are those seem to be very st- stressful times. I, I know I was super stressed when I started college. Well, you know, the different people have different triggers. And True. so maybe that's just exciting for him. But then having to have somebody be close with him, like his parents and his wife, maybe that's a trigger. Or maybe his parents being, like, abusive towards the servants. Yeah. There was a lot of acrimony around the house due to that, and that bothered him. And then when he got away from the house... He, he didn't have those flare-ups. Yeah. And then when he comes back to Key West and there's a lot of stress from his mother passing, maybe. I mean, we're never going to explain this. I'm just saying. If this is a thing that happened. Yeah. If this is a thing that happened, we're never going to explain this. We can try all night if we want. I but mean, I'm like, going to have to pee eventually. So you're telling me the story and in my head I'm picturing... Jean crawling on the floor with the doll, giggling, and putting the doll window to window as the school kids pass. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Or making giggling sounds when he hears somebody pass by underneath, specifically Anne. Yeah. If Anne is passing by underneath, he hears footsteps. He goes. <laughs> yeah, and like maybe he has just like a bouncy ball, and he throws it down the hall, so it makes like the little footstep sounds. Patter, patter. Yeah, I can see him completely messing with Anne in this way to be an utter dick. I mean, I'm just saying it's She possible. doesn't seem to have done a damn thing. Except for not, give up her career. Yeah, except that. And not wanting to have a creepy doll around at dinner time, for God's sakes. And sleeping, watching them sleep. Yeah, I'm sorry. that's that, weird. That's the creepiest. That is super that's weird. Super so, Gene eventually started getting ill with Parkinson's disease. And that's when he started spending even more time hanging out with Robert. Just having long chats. Okay. Yes. On June 24th, 1974, he died. Interestingly, at the foot of his tombstone is another tombstone. Not to Robert, but dedicated to Sonny Otto. That was the beloved Yorkshire Terrier of Gene and Otto's, born in 1952, died in 1970. And the uh, inscription on this tombstone is... His beautiful little spirit was a challenge to love. Wow. That got me a little bit just because you met our cat Shakespeare that we mentioned earlier in the yeah. show. His beautiful little spirit was a challenge to love. And we met that challenge hardcore, but he, everybody in the else that wasn't us hated Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare was beautiful. You could just never, ever touch him or he would make you bleed. Sometimes if you didn't touch him, he would make you bleed. Yes, yeah, once, once, yeah. Just being in the room with him was enough to piss him off, but he loved us and we loved him. And so, but one thing that is kind of questionable to me is that in that 1953 profile that I mentioned of the autos, Gene and Anne, they're both in a picture holding Yorkshire Terriers. Why did only, apparently, Jeans get a tombstone? Because the other one went with Anne. Yeah, true. I mean, but it died in 1970. This first one died in 1970, Sonny Otto, which was four years before he died. 
so either they put that tombstone up for the dog at, at the same time as they put his up, or they buried the dog in a pre-purchased plot before he died. And that Either is, way, it's weird to have a dog tombstone in the same place as a human tombstone. And also in 1952 was when the dogs were born. And they looked in the picture to be about the same age. They were probably from the same litter, I would imagine. And died in 1970. That's 18 years. Little, I'm willing to bet the other dog died sooner than that. Probably, yeah. But little dogs do last a lot longer than the larger breeds. Um, True. I know that our, that our dog, when I was a kid, uh, into my teens, I think he was 16 or 17. So, I mean, it's certainly possible, but still, like... Unlikely, in my opinion. I don't, I don't understand why they had a tombstone for the dog at the People Cemetery. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around that. That's weird. Could you imagine if everybody had their pets buried with them? Yeah, that would be weird. But I have heard of a few very special animals being memorialized in that way. And it just, I'm thinking it's, it was just a memorial. It's probably just a memorial, but it's, it's just definitely questionable. But considering he was spending all of his time talking to a doll, I don't, yeah, probably I mean, questioning the wrong thing here. Yeah, that's true. Now, there are a few versions of what Anne did with Robert after Jean's passing. Either she gave the doll to a friend of hers and said the following, That doll was Jean's best friend. Of course, he never had any other friends. Ouch. (laughs) Burn. Right? Or she insisted that after her death, the house that they shared together in Key West could only be sold as long as Robert stayed there. Also, he cut her out of his will. So the house was pretty much all she had. And his reasoning for that apparently was because her mother, her mother, had cut him out of her will. And he was being a petty dick. Wow. That's special. That's super special, yes. In 1979, Anne passed away. Their house in Key West went through a few owners, and then they rented out to some tenants. And when it was rented out, Robert stayed in the attic. There were reports of noises coming from the attic, of course, laughter of a child, pitter-patter, etc. It was through checking out the source of the sounds that the tenants noticed that, hey, there's this doll in the attic, and it keeps moving. What's happening? There was also a tenant who insisted that Robert, A, kept him hostage in the attic for days, trapped him up there, and B, gave him yellow fever. Wow. Right? That's a new one. And then a new owner got the house. At first seemed to like Robert, but eventually that relationship soured, as one might imagine, and because uh, she locked Robert in the attic, and then in true Robert fashion, he locked her in a room in revenge. Yeah, that's that's time to get rid of the doll, which she did in 1994. She donated him to the Fort East Martello Museum, which actually was a local place even back in the 40s and 50s where Gene would have showings of his work. So there's a connection there to to Gene. When donating him, she said, he's haunted. I can't stand him being in my house anymore. And a few months later, she died. Gene is still at the museum 
and he's still up to his old tricks. Although the museum staff have figured out a few methods of mitigating his madness, there's rules when you're coming to see Robert. You have to show Robert respect seems to be the main theme here. Politeness. You must say hello when you come into his room. Ask before taking a picture. And don't leave without saying thank you and goodbye. Okay. It's just manners, Amber. It is. So manners to a doll. But if you're asking him to take a picture, he can't answer. But you just ask. It's the fact that you asked. Even if he can't answer, or maybe he can because he can change facial expressions. So he might give you a little, you know, smile. I'm just guessing here. I don't know. You might give you a little smile for you. Then don't take a picture. Probably not. But I think it's just the, the action of asking seems to give you permission in itself. Okay. If you don't do those things, you might become one of the many unfortunates who have also felt that they didn't need to respect Robert. And maybe your letter of apology, written after suffering some extreme misfortune following your visit to Robert, will also be taped up in his room with all the others. And there are many. Wow. So theories, all right? Theories about Robert. Of course, there's the voodoo slash black magic curse. Or... What I'm thinking of as the Velveteen Rabbit theory, Jean almost made the doll haunted through loving it so intensely. Which seems a little woo-woo, I guess. I don't know. Or sappy or corny, but in a creepy way? Yeah, I don't I don't think that one is accurate. No. There's one more. Some child related to the family possessed the doll. There are actual records that a pair of servants were with the family for years. They were William and Emmeline Abbott. There are some hints or possibilities that Emmeline may have had an affair and possibly a child with Jean's father, Thomas. And Emmeline was said to have had a miscarriage somewhere between 1900 and 1910. She was also from the, what do we call it, West Indies? <laughs> the, the, an island where they have potentially, you know, like we Americans have potentially racist ideas about what they do religiously. And so there are theories that she magically intertwined the child's soul with the doll so that it could never die. Yeah, I don't believe that either. Yeah, I don't buy it. I think Robert's creepy as hell. Robert is creepy as hell and also very evil. And like I feel like that is a grown-ass spirit, not a baby spirit. Yeah, I don't think a baby... You're right. That's a really good point. I don't think a baby spirit would be quite so malicious. No. That definitely seems like an adult spirit being malicious. So, But that's Robert the doll in all his eminent creepiness. So, Amber, you have one more story to tell us. I do. I do. I am, uh, at this point, just terrified of everything. So, I'm going to tell you about Letta the doll. Letta is very, very scary looking. I will warn all of our listeners. 
She is dated to be about 200 years old. They dated her by analyzing some nails held under her feet. She is made of carved wood and real human hair. So it is believed that Letta was made by Eastern European gypsies. And she is he is haunted. Oh, Letta's a male. Well, okay, so I thought Letta was female. And then the more I read, the more I think they're giving male pronouns. I mean, it's a doll, and they generally... It is a doll. ...don't have, like, sex organs or even their own idea of gender identity. So I suppose whatever gender they have is the one we project on it. So it can be whatever the hell anybody wants it to be. So the pronouns that they use are actually he, and but it's really hard. So it, he has almost like a witch face with the the hooked mm. nose and the big chin and so I think that's why I automatically went female gotcha but it is a he I apologize so they believe that this doll is haunted by the restless spirit of a drowned boy so the doll's owner Carrie Walton found Letta in the 1970s while exploring an abandoned house in Wagga Wagga, Australia. Oh, Wagga Wagga. Carrie was with his brother, and the two men had always been interested in this property, having heard countless stories about it being a haunted house when they were kids. So they went in to check it out. Underneath the floors of, of this property that is basically decaying, he found this sinister-looking thing, and at first glance, actually thought it was the body of a dead child. That is so funny because it, I mean, not, no, but it's the opposite of what we see in murder stories when somebody sees the body of a murder victim and they think it's a mannequin or a doll. Yeah. So it's the exact opposite, where they're like, oh my god, it's a dead body. Oh no, it's a doll. This definitely isn't going to haunt me for life. Well, and I mean, think about it, though. So him and his brother are exploring this because they think it's haunted. Yeah. And so they're actively looking for a dead body, expecting to find one because of this haunted house. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. They were going to poke it with a stick, but alas, (laughs) not a dead child. It's the Amber Method. It was a doll. So... It's described as a very strange doll with a wicked grin. And Carrie was compelled to rescue the doll from beneath the house. So they actually had a a pretty long drive home. And that's where Letta got her name. They were making jokes, the brothers, about the doll appeared to be moving within the sack that it was being transported in. Mm -hmm. So this is a super creepy doll, real hair, wooden, evil-looking face, glass eyes. The doll is apparently moving in the sack. And they heard the doll say, let me out. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I dislike it strongly. Hence the name Letta was born because it wasn't let me out. It was Letta me out. out. I'm hugging myself now. So they took the, this doll back home to Queensland. And then strange events started to occur, as they do. Mm-hmm. Household items were shifting positions. Scuff marks kept appearing on 
the floor like scuff marks, like doll-sized shoe scuffs mm. on the floor. Um, his children started to complain of nightmares. One night they woke up screaming that Leto was talking and moving on its own. The dogs, any dog, would get very aggressive if put near the doll. Mm. Growling, biting, attacking other dogs, whatever it might be. Super aggressive if they were near this doll. So at one point, Walton tried to sell Letta, only to find that he, quote, physically couldn't get him out of the car. Um... And I don't know what is meant by that. I don't know if it was the doll suddenly felt like it was 2,000 pounds or if his arms stopped working or what. But he said he physically couldn't get him out of the car. Apparently, the doll has actually moved in front of people. So not like uh, Raggedy Ann who moved from the bed to the couch when nobody was home, but yeah. like people saw this doll move. And... The, the reason they believe it to be a drowned child is Carrie actually did an interview with a psychic. A clock fell off the wall when she was doing the interview, and when she was telling us about the kid that drowned, he moved in her lap. Mm-mm. Nope, don't like it. I'm, I just like this strongly. Yes, yes. So they believe the doll to be a vessel haunted by a little boy. And Letta currently tours around Australia with Walton, sitting on the laps of those who are brave enough to take a picture with the grinning figure. Some people have said after encountering Letta that they've had vivid nightmares or felt sick to their stomach. Unsurprisingly, Letta has uh, made television rounds and become a famously haunted doll. And Walton has said that he will never get rid of him, despite the... uh, the whole haunted doll status. Hmm. So, Let Him Me Out hmm. has his own Facebook page. <laughs> Welcome to the modern age, Let Him. And posts in first person. No, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't. Mm, mm. And uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm I love. I love the writer that was writing about this. So Letta has his own Facebook page if you feel like inviting his demon in, into your daily life. Absolutely not. He also recently created an Instagram account. Now these pictures have no captions, which is somehow even creepier. Yep, 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 yep. Don't, nope, I, I'm not following that. So even though this doll looks super creepy, it has a really sad backstory and they really think that it's just an innocent child spirit it doesn't do anything malicious at all and they actually believe it to be good natured and even to bring luck to those who come in contact oh so it's a feel-good haunted doll okay a feel-good haunted doll we needed that tonight yes we did very much we did so letta me out letta the doll just a little boy Trapped in a doll, Aww. but good luck. Aww. Man, that's that's a really good one to end on because good, a little bit of good luck is what we need right Feel now. With good 
hauntings. Yes, with random household objects talking to us. Granted, there are objects we talk to all the time, but still, that was uh, quite a way to start off this episode. (laughs) So, uh, that is our Haunted Dolls episode, our beginning of the month that is Spooky Ween. Spooky Ween! Oh yeah, it's a song now. Did you like that? Yeah? Have you left us a review on iTunes or anywhere else that you can leave reviews? You should do that and tell us. Totally do that. Tell us how awesome we are and how much you love us. We love hearing that. It really is that little push that keeps us going. That and when we get new Patreon subscribers and when people buy merch, which you can get at oldtimeycrimey.redbubble.com. We're going to have a new logo soon, people. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a ride with the logos. It's been a ride, let me tell you. But I'm, I'm going to get in contact with our graphic designer and get us a, the, the standard logo back. And then I'll go through the whole process of putting that up everywhere, which I realized this past week, it, the old logo is still showing up on, like, I think iTunes. So anyhow, <laughs> life is hilarious like that. So... There's all that stuff you can do. There's a whole bunch of links to our social media in the show notes. So if you want to come visit us and see pictures of all these cursed objects that we've talked about, I'm kind of scared to put them up on social media, but here we go. We're doing it anyhow. We're really sorry if you feel nauseous after seeing them. And we are not liable at all. So we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Old Timey Crimey. You can also buy us a book on our Amazon wish list. There are lots of true crime books there. You can pick from one, and then you can be a god who chooses what case we cover. And also, uh, I'm going to wait to actually announce it, but stay tuned because we're going to have a big giveaway that happens and the results will be at the end of October. I just need a few more days to get everything straightened out. If I do that, then I will put a little uh, insert here in the episode where it's just me talking. So if that happens now, then here it is. There you go. Nice spot. Thank you. But if not, (laughs) you'll hear about it soon enough. We have a big contest. It's going to be really awesome. We're very excited about it. And that's all my bullshit. If I have any more, I can't remember. So, Amber, what you doing this week? I am uh, working myself to death is uh, the plan. Mm. But it'll it'll all be for good. So, yeah, what are you doing? Um, I am actually going to be on Haunted AF. Uh, they're calling me on Tuesday, and I'm going to tell my local ghost story. Spooky. Which you gave me a resource on that I needed because I could not remember the name for the life of me. And I know I have it screenshotted somewhere in my phone from like seven years ago, but good luck finding that. So thank you very much for that. Very excited to be on Haunted AF and tell my little ghost story. And I might even tell a Ghostbuster story. We'll see if they want to hear it. Very excited. And I think since we're on the topic, honestly, they're not, it's not like they're paying us to do this, but Haunted AF is doing a sort of elf on the shelf thing, but with Halloween and for dolls, where you're supposed to scare the crap out of your children and loved ones with a doll. I don't think we should do that after this episode. <laughs> I think it's the doll in the hallway or something like that. Doll in the hall. Doll in the hall. That's what it is. So listen to Haunted AF, and I, I do believe that they're running a thing where you can send them your, your pictures or videos of scaring the crap out of. But I, So yeah. 
I have an article I'm doing for another of Chris Garcia's zines that is due at the end of the month and I should probably start writing that soon. And I got some new books I'm reading. I, I, there was a, speaking of eBay, there was an eBay sale. <laughs> and so it was like, buy two, get one free, plus I got a $5 off coupon. So Careful I, what you buy on eBay though. You never know what might be cursed. Hopefully no haunted or cursed books, but I got three of them. And they're all murderers, so... At least one of them is cursed. One of them is the devil made me do it, which... There you go. ...will uh, pop up next month on the Patreon, so just a little hint as to what's coming. So, yeah, that's I've got a lot of stuff going on over the next couple of days, but after that passes, I might be able to relax a little bit. No, I probably won't. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's my shit, and you know what, listeners? Thank you so much for listening to our creepy episode, our, in- our first episode of Spooky Ween this year about haunted dolls. It was a hell of a ride, my God. It really was. I will not be surprised if I have nightmares tonight. Well, it could have been from one of the dolls. Exactly. A lot of them seem to come to you in dreams. That's the problem. So, uh, I hope that all of you have sweet dreams and no dreams of creepy haunted dolls. So, we will see you next week with more old-timey, crimey, spooky ween. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) My sources this week are the Robert the Doll website, the Wikipedia articles on Richard Stife, Teddy Bear and the Living Doll, Historic Houston, Haunted Rooms, Ella Morton on Slate, Scott Iman on Sun Sentinel, Melissa Bastic on Horror Obsessive, Demonic Dolls, True Tales of Terrible Toys by John Parker, Old City Ghosts, and from the Library of Congress, Key West Citizen. My sources this week are Bustle.com by Megan Grant, Red Book Mag by Bree Schwartz, DailyMail.co.uk by Annabelle Fenwick Elliott, LadBible.com by Jake Macy, The Lineup by Xavier Piedra, BuzzFeed, uh, an, an article by Brill Stokes, DenOfGeek.com by Aaron Sagers, HeraldTheHauntedDoll.com, Pedestrian TV by Melissa Mason, Amy'sCrypt.com. I had a lot of random sources this week. have some dreams tonight man <laughs> dreams of haunted g o o g l e machines talking to me